Welcome at the Apostle Opera. We are free to present you an incredible event around fashion. This event will be podcasted directly on iTunes. It's time to look back at this season's Paris Fashion Week, and we have great guests for you tonight. Please welcome on stage our moderator, Simone Marchetti from La Repubblica. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here at the Apple Store. Um, I'm very happy about tonight. We are going to share trends and um, thoughts about the future of fashion with very important people. And I know we, we, we chat some minutes before, and they have a lot to say. So let's go straight to the point. Let me introduce you first, Vanessa Ong. Then Hi. Alexander Wertz from Carla Otto. <laughs> Alexandra Mattiusi from Ami. <laughs> and last, the designer and stylist, Brandon Maxwell. <laughs> so, first of all, I will ask everybody to introduce themselves in order you to know better what they are doing and what they who they are thank you um, thank you everyone for coming tonight uh, my name is Vanessa Hong and um, I'm the creative director and founder of a fashion blog called thehotpursuit.com um, I started five years ago as a hobby and since then it's spun into something so much more um, I now have an online store and an emerging brand, and I'm really excited to be here tonight. Thank you. Alex, it's your turn. Thank you, Simone. Hi, everybody, and thank you for being here. I'm Alexander Wirtz. I'm the global director for Carlo Otto. We do communication uh, worldwide. We're having seven offices, and we, do mo we have clients all over the world, mostly in the luxury field, from clothing, jewelry, but also lifestyle cars, etc. We represent them mostly worldwide. Bonsoir. Je suis le seul français ce soir. Euh, je m'appelle Alexandre Mathieu, je suis euh, créateur de mode. Non, j'ai une marque qui s'appelle Ami, voilà, qui est parisienne. So I'm a French designer and I have a brand called Ami. It's a menswear brand. Thank you. I do not speak French. I am a stylist and a designer. My name is Brandon Maxwell and thanks for coming. So thank you for introducing yourself. Let's go straight to the point. One of the um, most thrilling thing about today was the appointing at the Balenciaga house of uh, the designer of Edmond. And I know that Vanessa uh, loved very much, like I, do, I did and like a lot of others did, the Vetmont um, show, which was very controversial. So. I want your opinion. What do you think about this that show and this new designer? Um, Vermont, for sure, for me, was one of the more exciting things I saw in Paris. The show took place um, in a Chinese restaurant. And um, again, the designer just brought through the subversive um, element that was seen in the initial collection. And with the appointment um, at Balenciaga, I think 
it's very shocking, and I'm very excited to kind of to see how that's going to work out. Um, his first collection was, if you, of course, you didn't know, but his first collection was in a sex club. Yes. <laughs> and it, it was very uh, strange to see a collection in a place like that yeah. one. We are used to the Grand Palais or yes. other places like that. Do you think it's important today more than ever to think out of the box even for catwalks? Absolutely. Um, I think people want something different, um, especially today. They want alternatives. And I think with Vetmont, um, alongside being subversive um, and kind of visually very different, there's also for me something um, a little political about the brand, which, which really speaks to me. If you have to think about the collection of Etmont, uh, which means, of course, clothes, so simple clothes, right. which is the thing that you want to have right now? Um, probably one of their coats. Um, if, if anyone's familiar here with Vetmont, everything is extremely oversized, almost caricature-like proportions, um, which I love. I love larger clothes. That's a very interesting point because um, we all think that today fashion is to dress people, but it's not true at all. What people want from fashion, it's something that makes them dream. And that's the point of Vetmont. Yeah. When you are wearing a larger than your dress, it means that you want to be something else. And that's important. That's what made the, the success of Vetmont. Is it right? Exactly. I mean, they, they took very simple ideas, like a trench coat, for instance, and they made it, you know, from their previous collection, they just made it huge. Again, like caricature-like proportions. Um, and I just, I like that idea. It's taking a very classic shape and, and spinning it, quite literally out of control. Of course, Vetmont was on, not the only one in Paris Fashion Week and in the last month of fashion catwalks. There are a lot of trends coming out. So this is what I want to discuss with Alexander, who is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting traveler. He lives on the plane. He doesn't have a house. And he travels everywhere. So um, speaking about um, all the trends, I saw a lot of Africa, but not only Africa in, in sense of country, but like tribes. What do you think about I think this? fashion is about tribes today because I think every designer is doing um, designing collections about what, where they want to be. If you see, for example, here in Paris, you see one direction which is absolutely tribal, but meant, let's say, really tribal, like Valentino, where you saw it was really traveling to uh, Africa. But then you had, of course, also the rock and roll tribes, which is more of an Edis Lehmann for Saint Laurent, you had it for Haida Hackermann, you had it for, for different other people. I think what is really important is kind of the families where you want to belong to. And I just wanted to say also to you, because 15 years ago when Marta Margiela took over Hermès, it was kind of a revolution. Today, when you say designers are switching after two years into a brand like Balenciaga, which is really a statement, because Balenciaga is a very renowned French brand, has archives, was a couture house, has everything what is quintessentially French. 
and someone is coming after two seasons with a collection is quite mind-blowing in fashion. That means there's something else actually turning and twisting around where it depends on followers, it depends on what you presented, if you presented in the right thing, everything is shifting. But I really have to say today was a beautiful week of fashion week. The collections were really strong. There were outstanding collections also like Celine. I truly thought it was very beautiful, very sellable also. Um, Valentino I named already. And I think other collections in, in, uh, in Italy, Prada was very beautiful. I have to say, uh, Brandon, he created a momentum in New York, which was a very beautiful momentum. He comes and he worked as a stylist and brought out his first collection. And being a part of this, and we worked on this, was really very special because you had a beautiful collection, you had a great runway, a small presentation, a smaller show, but after that you have really to say he created something which belongs to a great family of fashion and he's gonna go, I would say, a very long path to. I wanna ask to Alexandro Matiusi. Um, fashion momentum is fundamental today. Maybe in some ways fashion is going back to the 80s where collection and shows has to be theatrical. Uh, and they need to tell new stories. We were talking about uh, how new stories impressed you during the last months. Can you mention some of them? Uh, as a menswear designer, I just can say for the, to start that maybe I observe fashion from a different point of view. Actually, the, men, the Women's Wear Fashion Week in Paris, here in New York and Milano. So I just look at it because I'm curious, but you know, I'm kind of out of it because men's is different, it's a different business. But things are changing very much and very fast, and I feel like um, we need, uh, we need as, you, as, as we mentioned last week together, that we need to tell stories. Because at the end, as a menswear designer, again, I'm kind of very close to a um, reality concept because I'm wearing the clothes today I'm designing. I'm talking about a pair of shoes, um, a denim jacket. So I do like very simple designs in a way, but the way we tell the story, the way we talk, the way we voice is maybe different. And I feel like maybe this is what um, seduced people. We, we created the, the, the brand just uh, four years and a half ago and it's going, it's going quite well. We get, we get like a very good response because mm. actually my story is in a way the reality. You know, this guy that you see in the street, the guy that you see in a bar in the metro, it could be your friend, it could be your brother, your boyfriend, and ami means friend in, in English, in French. And uh, so my story is to create stories about reality. So I always show my, my, my collection in a kind of, you know, we did the market this summer at uh, Jardin, uh, Jardin du, um, Jardin des Tuileries. <laughs> Imagine, j'oublie. Uh, Jardin des Tuileries. We did the airport story. We did like this kind of little stories like very, very naive and very, very narrative. But at the end, what is really important for me is to, to see my clothes worn on, on people, on real people, because fashion sometimes can be, and we all know this, and I'm sure we, we, we all agree about this, can be disconnected from our reality, you know? So, um, so I think, as you said, fashion needs to, to make people dream, mm -hmm. but I'm very sensitive if fashion is more connected with like, the reality, and I but think, yeah. I want to ask you another thing. Everybody in the last month and in the last six months 
uh, we're talking about Alessandro Michele at Gucci. He, he did a very uh, brave story. Nobody would uh, put even a cent on his uh, new story, but his new story today is the story. Everybody's wearing Gucci at the catwalks. So how important is daring? I know that when you are a designer, you are in front of the line and you are alone. It's you that decided what is beautiful, what is not, what is going to go, to go on the catwalk, what is not. So how important today more than ever is to do, in order to do a new story, to be very, very brave? Um, I just feel that you have to trust yourself and to be confident enough just to, to think that what you're saying is good. Actually, it's good for me. So it's good already. So I just feel like, you know, this is the way I express myself. Um, this is the only thing I can do today to do clothes. So this is my job. This is my, my um, yes, my reality. So I try to make it the most honest and authentic as possible. But um, of course, there is a kind of pressure because the pressure comes from outside always. And uh, you feel like when you voice this way, you voice in a kind of humble and discreet way. And things we're going to see at the shows are so exceptional. So it's about celebrities. It's about you know um, craftsmanships. It's about embroideries. Like yes, it's like theatre, uh, yeah. theatre as you said. So um, so of course there is like a, a huge demand. And I think digital uh, um, area has changed our way to f to feel and to see and to watch and to observe all this all this you yeah. know industry. And, uh, you know, we are in the temple of revolution, uh, of course, here. But before arriving to revolution, I want to ask to Brandon Maxwell, who is a stylist of, uh, and a designer, but uh, a stylist of celebrities. Sometimes people need, in order to dream, they need to see clothes on celebrities. Which were, in your opinion, the clothes that were very good and they became a very good message in the last year on celebrities. I just think it depends, of course, whether you're talking about editorial or you're talking about no, no, just celebrities. I mean, just when celebrities. I see something on Instagram and I saw, I don't know, a very famous singer and I saw her dress in a certain way and I said to myself, I want that thing on me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously very powerful to have a celebrity wear uh, something, but, you know, for me, What's great about it is there's so many different types of women. Um, what I find, obviously, being a designer and also being a stylist, is that oftentimes what you see coming down the runway is kind of what you were touching on, is not every real woman can wear that. You know, I thought about that a lot when working on my collection. It's, it's not so outrageous, but I thought, can a real woman wear this? And, you know, walking down the street, you know, I don't know which brand specifically, of course, it depends on which celebrity, you know, and their personality and their persona, what if they're more outrageous or if they're more, you know, paired back. Um, I don't know, it, it is sort of an interesting time, I guess, kind of what you were saying before really is so true, you know. Um, there's what we see here in Paris and Milan and London and New York, which is very uh, whimsical and fantastical and exciting. Um, but there is a whole other world out there with real women wearing sort of real clothes. And I think that not everyone, you know, I'm from Texas, so not everyone is in Texas is in Paris looking at 
as much as I love Valentino, no, not everyone in a small town in Texas is seeing the Valentino show and or able to wear it. But everyone now, which I'm sure you're gonna touch on later, can log on to Instagram and see Gwyneth Paltrow wearing Valentino. So it is a really powerful yeah, thing. I don't know how, how it works, I guess, but. And talking about Instagram, you got to the point. Um, until five years ago, 10 years ago, magazines were the most important thing in order to communicate a collection, yeah. a designer, an aesthetic. But today, maybe we, I think, we are facing the biggest revolution, one of the biggest revolution in the human history, not only in our century. So, talking about Instagram, I know that um, you are uh, a very good user uh, of Instagram, and your Instagram is very followed, but it's very good. It has, it, it has a very strong point of view. How Instagram has changed your life? How do I start? Um, I wouldn't be sitting here um, in front of you guys tonight if it wasn't for technology and the advancement of it, including blogging, including Twitter, Facebook, and really more importantly, Instagram. Um, when I started my blog five years ago, it was in the cubicle of a biotech company I was working in. Um, and it was a hobby, and it's just snowballed since then, and I, I've been a registered Instagram user for about two years now, and not only has it allowed me to meet my readers and to meet similar like-minded people, but it's also a new channel for me to express my work. Um, it's really been transformative, and it's just, it's one single app. How was your first post on Instagram? Well, you can look. <laughs> I think um, originally when I first started using it, like with any kind of social network, I didn't quite understand how it was different from maybe a Facebook or a Twitter. I just, I just thought maybe it was just too much of too much. Um, but over time, over about a year it took me to really realize um, how to use the medium uniquely. And I think it's, it's a great medium to express yourself creatively and for it to be different than all of your other social mediums. That's true, you have to be different. It's very important today. And uh, most of all, I'm seeing that when I was entering in a show eight years ago, the first rows were full of editors, the second rows full of editors, and then buyers, and then again editors. Uh, today, it's a mess. You, you can't recognize anyone. There are kids, uh, old, old people, strange people, bloggers, fashion editors, stylists, designers, models that were supposed to be on the cat of the world, seated in the front row. So it's really, really a mess. But if you are a good communicator, like Alexander, like Carla Otto, the office is, uh, you have to manage or this complexity. So, Alex, how everything has changed and why, in your opinion? i give you just a quick story. When Karen Reutfeld said once to me, it took me 25 years to be from the 11th row on the first row. Today, it takes a year, a One year and click. a half. 
to be on the first row because you have exactly, you have 500,000, a million, 15 million, 40 million followers, depends on who you are. It goes very fast, I would say, communication, thanks to the devices and thanks to the tech industry, changed completely our, our living on the communication side because again, what we've done in one week, we do today in not even half an hour, when uh, we said exactly, let's do a dinner five years ago, you had to send out save the dates a month, two months before. Today you have evites coming out three days before and you know exactly that we're gonna have and reach out the exact attending people that we want to have. So I have to say exactly mm, three years ago, everything was shifting because when we see fashion today, I think we, we don't only look on uh, the clothing, we look on who is attending, who is on the street, who is on the first row, um, which model is attending, because as you just said, and I really have to say this was for me remarkable this week, is you had the big, big top models not on the runway anymore, maybe two shows walking, but then they had you, you saw them on each first row dressed obviously in the brands, because they have a lot of followers, but sometimes also because the body type doesn't allow anymore to be with the other models in the show, but these are opinion leaders and we all watch out to to gravitate around the opinion leaders, to put them into events, to put them into fashion shows, in order to give you a 360 degree communication base, which, which we need in order to support brands, in order to support reality of sales. And because today you see you attend an event, you have next day, you have already sales going on, and you can really reach out and analyze that, and I think that's very important and very interesting for our communication system. Yeah, I think that I, I saw you are a lot of young people. I think you are the very lucky first generation, even if you don't know it, if, and of course you can't realize it. Uh, you have a really strong medium, so use it in a different way, in a very intelligent way, but use it, because it's the first time in history that uh, you can really make your voice heard by a lot of people. But coming back to fashion, today it seems that fashion, in some ways, is not fashionable at all because fashion needs other fields out of itself. Sometimes when I talk to designers, uh, they were all saying the same thing. They, Alessandro Michele at Gucci told me, when I'm looking for something, I look for it somewhere else. Somewhere else that is not fashion. So in theater, in the streets, uh, in some exhibitions, so elsewhere. Alexandra, I want to ask you, in all this revolution, first, where did you find inspiration and how Instagram and this kind of instruments have changed your job? I think internet and of course Instagram became a kind of library, you know. We used to do when I was actually, I'm actually maybe the last generation who studied without internet. So I was 18 years old when we really had the first computers at school and actually we never knew how to use them. So we went for researching actually everywhere else, you know, in the library and books and readings and we were scratching pages in the magazines just to get an inspiration. Today, we have our tool in our hands and for sure when you look for something, when you research something in Tumblr and all these kind of things just help you to definitely open your mind, you know, and you're saying because I'm 
Parisians, so fashion is very close to us. We born and raised in a capital where fashion is really existing for a long time. It's part of our history and culture. But for sure, I'm thinking about these kids everywhere in the world who's not you know, aware about fashion. They don't have the chance and the opportunity to to feel it, like really, like, you know, and I just think these tools like Instagram really helps you to, yes, to to educate you in a way, you know, it's a, it's, it's part of your education today. So, so yeah, I observe a lot. I'm following people I'm inspired by. I just look at all the things, but I'm really inspired by the reality again. So, mm. and sometimes you have to pay attention because yeah, we put a balance. lot. That we put a lot of filters on Instagram. We put a lot of, you know, we we decide what we want to say, what we want to show. So um, there is maybe sometimes the truth, which is a little bit fake. So you have to always get a kind of um, objective view about it. So yeah. it's not like trusting only an image. No, but it's try important. To understand. But fashion is also this, this is doing this job too, is to yeah. make you believe something that maybe is not the truth. You know. And for women's wear, it's different again, because men's wear, they're more, you know, there is a kind of, again, of reality. You don't really wear a three-sleeve jacket, you know, but you can wear a very, very short skirt. But you know what I mean? So it just feels like men's yes. wear always go back to the reality and to the vestibility and the comfortness. And you want to have a jacket, you want to have a shirt, a sweater, yeah, and even it's different, like yours today. You have a jacket with two sleeves today. I'm very famous to be different. <laughs> Brandon, uh, another thing that I'm looking at in this big, huge revolution is that today you can't think about yourself and about your job in the fashion industry, but not only, uh, like in a traditional way. So you can't be only a stylist, only a blogger, only a journalist, only a designer. Sometimes the field mixed together. I know that you were um, a stylist for celebrities, very famous celebrities, and now you became even a designer. Um, can you tell us uh, first how uh, this change came to your mind, and second, uh, which was the most difficult thing to realize it? Well, for me, they came very naturally. I grew up, my grandmother had a store growing up, and she was uh, a buyer. And so she would, and also she ran the store, so whenever women would come in, she would line up all the bags and all the jewelry and all the dresses, and she would sort of style the women. Um, and I spent so much of my time there every day after school, kind of watching all of these glamorous women put on fur coats and pearls and, um, you know, and. As I studied in school, I studied photography, and I moved on and moved to New York, and I started interning at magazines, and it just seemed all that I knew. I was not good at math. I wasn't good at reading. I wasn't good at science. I was, like, only good at drawing things, working with colors, and using my hands. That was pretty much it. So I needed to figure it out. So I went with what I knew, and, you know, I moved to New York and just sort of kind of did what my family did, was styling. And, you know, I used to get in trouble a lot with my mom, all the clothes in the bags from her my grandmother's store and I would be in my lock the closet and cut the dresses in half like Oscar de la Renta dresses and cut the top off and put them with another pair of pants and my mom would say that's very expensive why are you doing that and I'm like but it looked so much better mom this way I'm helping you you know so it was a natural 
it was a natural thing. And I think I was lucky enough to work with so many people um, when I was very young who did multiple things. I worked for an incredible editor and designer, Nicola Formichetti, and for years. And he was at Mugler and Diesel and Uniqlo and doing so many different things while also styling. And coming from a small town where I had dial-up internet, we did not have Instagram, we didn't have, there was no Facebook around at that time. I had no access to any of those things. So all of a sudden I come from a small town and I'm in Paris every month and I'm traveling around and I'm looking at someone like him who would tell me every day there's more to life than this. You can do more than just one thing and you have to do more. So. I slowly started to save my money, and, and I always wanted to be a designer since as long as I can remember, but I didn't quite know how to get there again because I was from a really small place, and I didn't grow up seeing it everywhere in front of me. My idea of fashion was JCPenney or The Gap or Dillard's. There was no, I wasn't, no fashion in front of me at all. It's just my grandmother's store and a, and a magazine. Um, but really being around all of these types of people, and I think Nicola specifically saying, do, do more, you can do more. And I just woke up one day and turned 30, and I was like, well, I don't have a baby, I don't have a house, I might as well just like go for it now, you know? I really, honestly, it was like, I'm 30, so it's, <laughs> you're running out of time, it's time to do it now, you know? And I just started to do it. That's really what pushed me to do it. And also I had to save enough money, so I had to wait. Bravery, again. I know it was not supposed to, to do, but I love to break the rules always. So uh, before going to the Q&A, I want to ask to all of you, uh, every, everybody in the fashion business, when you have interview with them, they are very good in telling you what they did, uh, how was it wonderful, and so on. But I think that in every career, the m one of the most important thing is mis are mistakes. So each of you. Which was the hugest, strongest, biggest mistake that in, in your career that helped you to be more stronger and realize where is the right way to go? Is that starting? Okay, with me. We didn't practice this. <laughs> um, for me, um, I would probably say the moment I woke up in my career was the moment I decided to let go of fear because I grew up with a lot of people telling me, no, you can't do this, no, you can't. And I mean, I don't come from a fashion background at all. Um, I went to university, I was gonna become a doctor and I worked in biotech for three, four years and that's where I started my blog actually. And I was always just very afraid of um, doing something different, of stepping out of the box. And I think the moment I got over that was when my career really started taking off. I, I can clap you for one hour. That's a very good advice for, for people, for young people. Brava, very good. Alex. Because I'm German, I never did a mistake, so that's the first thing. <laughs> No, not at all. What I, what I want to say is there were poor years and fun years, but there's also other things where you have to, where you have actually your experience in fashion. I think for me, uh, I worked for a long time also for very small designers and I was persisting and insisting for it, maybe a little bit too long. But again, I would have never changed anything about what I do today, how I did it. And I even have to say, even if I had not uh, Instagram, Facebook at that time. I love my magazines and still love to watch back in, I have 35 years of, of French Vogue, of American Vogue and everything at home, which I really love because 
those images just mark me and still mark me for, for my whole life. Because today, what we think about an image change every five seconds, you go on Instagram, you switch. Um, the other images I saw when I was a kid or when I was even a, y a younger adult, these images is my passion and that's why I'm still persisting in doing this job and I still love it. I do agree. Always remember that it's not a good, it's not you that is looking at a good image, but it, the good image that is looking and changing you. That's very, very true. So, the other Alex. Yeah, I just feel you have to also protect yourself about all this technology too, and the real life again is outside. It's uh, meeting real people to drink beers and eating pizzas with so friends. So you were saying that you were too much obsessed by uh, technology, that was your no, mistake. No, I, I just feel you have to, 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 to balance too, because of course there is like a kind of addiction with all these things too, and you can wake up in the morning and just the first thing you do is like, switch on your phone and looking at Instagram and following, you know, the, your likes and the number of likes. No, but you know what I mean? It just feel, of course, and as you just said, we, we, we had a life before internet and we're gonna have a life with and maybe without internet one day. And I just want to say that about the mistakes and actually I've been like lucky enough and I'm very grateful because I already met like extraordinary people that really helped me to, to be here where I am today. And for the moment, yes, I think so. I think it's and important go back to disconnect. reality, even in, in design. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Brandon, your mistake has to be very strong. <laughs> okay, so my mistake is like it's a mistake that I I'm not German and I have a thousand mistakes. So if we're gonna be here, we could be here it's all day. It's the same day. for me. Um, no, but it's a mistake that I still make that I'm working on now, and I'm learning that I spent so many of my my whole 20s traveling and working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the time, missing so many things, which actually I don't regret that much because I like work so much. Um, but I'm learning now to live a little bit more in the moment. Like when I, you know, like I was saying, I never went, traveled internationally. And the first time when you're working so hard and you're, you're working for someone and you've got to carry all the bags and stuff, you forget to stop and be like, that's the Eiffel Tower. And what, you know, whatever. Like you never, you didn't, like all those moments, like the first time, I just remember the first time everything that, and I wish looking back that I had really lived in, like when I was saying it like, you know, the first time at the Four Seasons or something, I should have like had a massive bowl of ice cream and like worn slippers and like put moisturizer on my face and like watched a movie and ate french fries and Skyped my friends and taken pictures everywhere. But like, I was just like, I have to be up at six and I have to go and I need a coffee and I need to call somebody and I need to get, you know what I mean? So I'm working on that now. Uh, so you can call me later. I'll be with a big bowl of ice cream <laughs> and moisturizer <laughs> on my <laughs> So it's your turn for the Q&A. So if you have something to ask, feel free and ask. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm just wondering, with the creation of uh, New York's Men's Week this year, I think pretty much all the main markets have like a separate week. But then we're seeing that shows like Givenchy showed in New York, and then The Row moved to Paris, and like Miu Miu going back and forth. Is this something that you guys think it's gonna be more common that like brands are not gonna be like married to a city? Like, I don't know, like would a me would show in like New York or move to Milan or something? I don't know. Uh, that's a very, very good question. I think Alexander Wertz is the one in charge to answer back. I would say even the designers, but I have to say, look, there are many brands, and America is one of the key markets for all the brands. 
but you see that Chanel is doing satellite collections. They're showing in Seoul one day because Korea is very important. Obviously, America is for editions and for the prestige for magazines is obviously one of the most prestigious market. But I would say for sales, everybody need to travel and that's also the luxury that we have today is that brands can travel and because of media and because of technique, we don't need to be in Paris anymore. We can show in New York, you can show tomorrow in Moscow and you have actually the same amount of viewers, the same result on, uh, on media for the brand. Do you want to add something, Alex? I, would l I, would I hope maybe one day we would show, we will show some, yes, I will show somewhere else. For I think, yes, as we said, like media helps you travel in a way. Mm. So, so I love to meet people. I think Amy is about this too. I met a lot of people through Instagram too. So it will be kind of uh, maybe one day logical to travel a little yeah. bit to show up. If I can answer, uh, I, I've been this summer in Rome for the Mirabilia Rome event of Valentino. I'm Italian and I was impressed for the first time to see uh, such huge beauties that I didn't see about Rome and I know Rome very well. I think today fashion understood that um, the power of storytelling. It's like uh, Hollywood golden age for fashion. Um, they, uh, they need to travel because people need to dream. And the easy dream that you can have is traveling. But not only that one. Uh, we always forgot that dresses are the most easy way that we have to reach beauty. You can go to a Louvre Museum, you can go to Amsterdam, you can go to New York or to Bangladesh, to uh, India. But if you wear a kaftano, you are in India. And that changes your life. It, it changes how people look at you, how you look at people. So that's why designers need to, to take off the collection from the uh, classical fashion weeks and make people travel and dream because it's all about this. I think there's one thing which is really important also. I think fashion today is allowing companies to have foundations of art which has actually before never existed. Look at the Louis Vuitton Foundation, which is a beautiful, beautiful foundation. But look also on the Prada Foundation in Milan, which we all know, it's really an eye of fashion people, how they create art. And before it was very separate. Art business was one thing, fashion was another thing. But today, everything is also there shifting. And I think the eye of fashion mixed with art is actually great. It's not only the eye of art in art. And the whole thing is twisting and shifting. I think that's very, very important. Is there any other question over there? The blonde girl. Hello. <laughs> what, are the, what are the trends you observe this fashion week in Paris? The main trends for spring, summer 16. Uh, so okay, it's my <laughs> turn because I didn't talk. Um, first of all, decor. It's the coming back of, of, the, of huge decor. You cannot see very, uh, it's like my jacket. Uh, every single piece that you were wearing, wearing from the accessories to a shirt has to tell a story. And with embroideries, uh, applications, what else? I think that the, the one who, who uh, launched the, uh, the trend was Alessandro Michele, but everybody follows. The second trend is lingerie. Even Celine did lingerie, so Saint Laurent did beautiful lingerie. Uh, it's a kind of return of the sexiness, but in a modern way. Then sportswear is still doing a big part in fashion. Uh, 
uh, what else? What am I missing? Um, yeah, sparkling everywhere, of course, because decor, it's the new thing. But uh, at the end, I think that every designer is building his own identity. So that's it's, it's, it's even important not to think only about trends. Trends, in my opinion, are not trends anymore. You can pick up what you want, and uh, uh, that's why a lot of designers are producing what they call separates. It means all a lot of pieces very, very strong that you can mix in your own, uh, with your own taste. Hi, well, my name is Gustavo. Ciao. Uh, I'm from Mexico. Hola. Uh, hola. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Mexican fashion designer for menswear. So, well, right now I finished my school. Mm -hmm. How uh, old are you? I'm 23. Okay, so you're old, okay. <laughs> <I'm> joking. <laughs> so, well, right now I make my CV and my portfolio. Mm -hmm. Could you please tell me, like, an advice or tip to put it, I don't know, in my CV or my portfolio for... So you want suggestions? Yes. For your portfolio? Yes. Like what to write on it? Well, well, no. I mean, I, right now I make my portfolio for sends on for brands and so I start. Ah, oh, like to send out to brands. Yeah, yes. he, he pointed out a, a, good, uh, a good question. So all of you, again, which is the most important suggestion for a young creative, or not only designer, but for a young creative who want to have success in the fashion industry? Okay, I will just say what I experienced when I was going through that, just make it quick. Don't make it long because everyone's always on their phone and they have to go to dinner and then they have to call somebody and then their sister's coming in and nobody has time to read a long thing or look through a long thing. And that's just the facts of the facts, you know? I'm sure you're extremely talented, obviously. So just make it quick. Show them the best things first. Show them the top whatever you have first so that they can, like, you can hit them really hard from the top. Because sometimes when you're going through a fast day and sometimes even I'm sure your portfolio is is big and impressive, but just show them the top things. Sometimes I get people that come into the office, edit for sure. People come in the office with a six page resume and I'm just like, I have to go to lunch, I don't have time to read all day long. If I wanted to read a novel, I'd go to the beach. Do you know what I mean? So just make it quick. But I think also experience is the best thing to how to learn is to, to learn through mistakes because sometimes you start with brands and it's the worst experience because you're gonna start as a slave basically in it, but it's great because you come into a small door and you're gonna stay for half of a year but you have the best experience in your life because sometimes also what happens is many companies do not have a lot of money so you have to do it without money. If at the end you come into a bigger company with a lot of money, it's great because then suddenly the doors are open, uh, the carpets are more, more glamorous than the other ones, but I would say experience is still unpayable luxury. Alex? Uh, no, I just, I just said that because today, because of Instagram, because there is like a direct message uh, box, yeah. I receive actually every day. Um, 1,000. Uh, not 1,000 because I'm still a, a, a small brand, but I j you know, this is the best way again to connect directly with people, you know. But because, yes, because beca yeah, if talk you think about to people, if you don't be afraid to talk to people. I mean, make it short, but talk to no, people. The, the best person that, that, uh, worked at my office as an intern who's probably going to work there when he's like legal enough i found like he in emailed me on facebook for two years this is such a good point i think you didn't have the chance Don't before be a to stalker, to but 
It's okay. <laughs> no, but you didn't have the chance before to send like your, your, your CV directly to Tom Ford, you know? Mm -hmm. Now you can really talk with Tom and Ford directly. And if I, I, I can add something about the CV, uh, Renzo Rosso, the owner of Diesel and all the group, always said, make it the most interesting and different than the others. So don't put your little face with all the, the things written. No, do it strange, uh, wild, I don't know, but impress in a short way. Then. Um, and, and just to echo what some other people say on the panel, you just have to make sure that your brand is on every single social network. Um, because for me, um, as an influencer, whenever a designer comes to me, the first thing I look for is their Instagram account because it's a reflection um, of who you are, of the work that you do. Um, and just for, for business smarts, you want to make sure you have that name before somebody else takes it. Okay, last question. Hello. Hi. Um, I just wanted to know what your thoughts are um, today, where we are today, what the importance of uh, a digital presence and digital influence is today. You have brands like Valentino and Burberry who are really progressive in their thinking, and then you have brands like Celine that have a level of mystique that just make everything so covetable. What do you think is happening in luxury today and how important is digital? I think there's room, uh, definitely, for, for everybody in different approaches. Um, with Celine, they're always going to have you know, their customer. And again, that's part of their branding, is, is to be a little mysterious, to be maybe, in a sense, almost unattainable. Um, and for other brands, they're just modernizing really quickly with Burberry, with Valentino, with a lot of these other luxury brands with huge um, social following. I, I don't think one is right and one is wrong, I think there's room for, for everything. Alex? I would say it's all about strategy and, and strategic thinking about that because again, as you said, Celine, Bottega, they don't, they're not really strong about digital, but I have to say sometimes reflecting is if you go beyond boundaries, digital is the fastest way to go. If when we started our digital department three years ago, it was like maybe 0.2% went through it. Today, I would say it's already 50%. But the ways Can how communication goes is absolutely digital. Uh, to have features in magazines is ultimate luxury, and it's absolutely important. But I would say you speak to your clients, you speak digital. Um, I just feel like it's always, it's still the best way to, to discover us. And I... When I started Ami, and because Ami again means friend, I decided to really share everything. Like, not everything, but I don't have like a personal account and I don't have a brand account. I just have both and I share my, you know, editorials and the collaboration and the picture of the collection, but also a dinner with my friends and a, a part of my vacation because I feel it's part of my life and mm -hmm. my life is this and it's not like separated. Everything is in the same thing and this is part of my communication today it will be strange if i s suddenly stop to show anything from me because i feel like i'm really the ambassador of the brand and people connect also with maybe yeah. me and who i am and what i do and what i think and feel sometimes i i ag agree a thousand percent i mean when i i just have only just had my first show but there were so many 
conversations before about what should your Instagram name be or what should your whatever, you know, you were saying buy it. First of all, do buy it before because I had to buy both and they were not cheap. So that's number one. Number two, everyone was saying, oh, you should have one just for work and then you should have one just for your life. And that to me, it, even though Instagram, I was, no, it doesn't work for me. People want to see what they're buying into in a way and what you what you are doing and the life that you live in. The, and if you're making women's clothing or men's clothing, the people that you're surrounded by, the women that are in your life, the things that you guys are doing. And I think, you know, you were saying before that Instagram sometimes can be a lie. And I think that's the most truthful thing. If I was to just put up pictures of the collection every day and then my editorials, to me, I don't know, it feels slightly impersonal, you know? Of course, I'm making luxury women's dresses and, you know, I have a lot of your clothes, you know? But we also do, like, I mean, I go to McDonald's and, like, sometimes maybe you do too, you know? But maybe you also like to wear a nice dress and, like, there's something, like, nice and non-elitist about that, you know? And I think it's cool. And if I, just to finish, um, I'm more radical. I think that if today you don't use technologies, you are invisible. And uh, the problem is to understand and to put quality in technology. Uh, nowadays, not a lot of brands invest on internet because they think that internet is free. It's not for free, absolutely. And it's more profitable than ever. So. Uh, again to you all who came tonight thank you for coming um, you have the power to put quality in technology to put new ideas because designers and the fashion world needs new ideas so be strong be brave and give new ideas to the system so thank you very much all thank of you, you. My name thank is you brandon alex and alex and thank you uh, apple for hosting us tonight